0: Dak Prescott, Jalen Hurts, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Shohei Ohtani, P. Diddy, 50 Cent. What the hell do all those names have in common? They're about to be talked about right here on the Stephen A. Smith Show. And oh, by the way, I would have mentioned La La Anthony too, but I'm about to talk to her. Stick around. You're in the house with your boy. Let's go what's up everybody welcome to the latest edition of the stephen a smith show coming at you at the very least three times a week over the digital airwaves of youtube i'm here as usual in my new studio these days thanks to FanDuel sportsbook FanDuel, the official studio sponsor of the stephen a smith show Let me take a moment to pause and express my love and appreciation yet again for all of my followers and subscribers. We have now climbed to have exceeded more than 426,000 followers in the first eight months. Can't thank y'all enough. If you didn't keep the love coming, I wouldn't be here keeping this coming. Please continue to like and follow The Stephen A. Smith Show right here on YouTube. Just click the bell to get notified of all of our new content. And while you're out there doing that, Please don't forget to pick up a copy of my New York Times best-selling book, Straight Shooter, a memoir of second chances and first takes. Just go to straightshooterbook.com to get yourself a copy. Makes for the perfect Christmas gift. Trust me on this. I'll be taking your questions as usual at the end of the show via Twitter and questions at the end of the show on Twitter or Instagram, or you can just call me at 888-727-5303. That's 888-SAS-5303. Let me get right into it because I know what y'all are thinking. I know y'all are looking at me right now and you're saying, you know something, Stephen A? What you got to say now, Stephen A? What you got to say now? Because Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys met up with the Philadelphia Eagles on Sunday night and completely obliterated them from start to finish, winning decisively 33-13. to The Sunday victory displayed how much better the Cowboys are since they lost to the Eagles six weeks ago. Give them credit for that, okay? The Cowboys put up nearly 400 yards of offense and went 9-16 on third downs, scoring on their first four possessions. Well, there's a particular stat that was left out. Did you know that there was nine straight possessions during last night's game? And dating back to a week earlier, where the Eagles gave up a score, their offense couldn't stop a damn cold. They can't seem to do anything right defensively these days. Giving up 30 points like it's going out of style, struggling offensively, five consecutive games with double digit deficits. The Eagles are not what we thought they were. They're not what we thought they were. It's just that simple. They've gotten a bit softer, their secondary can be exploited. You can throw the football on them. You can score on them. I saw Jalen Hurts commit a turnover. By the way, he's got 15 this year. He only had eight last year. Got 15 this year, okay? One of the league leaders, top five dudes in turning the football over. That's Jalen Hurts. A.J. Brown not only turned over the football, but he dropped the pass. You had Devontae Smith. He also turned the ball over. Those are their top three offensive players, and they turned the ball over. I don't know what the hell is going on with the Philadelphia Eagles. Okay, but they are no longer one of the two best teams in the NFC. That would belong to the San Francisco 49ers and, yes, the Dallas Cowboys. And I know that y'all expect me to troll because you are a disgusting, nauseating fan base, you Dallas Cowboy fans. Y'all get on my last damn nerves, but it's all love. It's all in fun. Sometimes you have fun hating on the Cowboys. You got love loving the Cowboys. It's all good. It's cool. But in all seriousness, Dak Prescott should be a league-leading candidate for MVP honors right now. That's right, I said it. I said it. Dak Prescott should be a leading candidate for league MVP honors. I really, really do mean that. It makes perfect sense. When you consider the touchdowns, he's thrown 28 this year. When you consider his completion percentage, when you consider the yards accumulated, which exceeds 269 per game, When you're devoid of a a bell cow at the running back spot, Tony Pollard's got skill. He's got elusivity in his repertoire. But the bottom line is he's not an every down back. You look at Coach Mike McCarthy promised when he got rid of Keller Moore as the offensive coordinator because he wanted to call plays himself. He got Jerry Jones to to bite on that. And Keller Moore was shipped to Los Angeles to go and work for the Chargers. And don't get me started on them and Brandon Steeley's last days as head coach there. The fact is Mike McCarthy has play calling, abilities and control now he said they were going to even things up he lied mike mccarthy lied they throw the ball an average of approximately 56 percent of the time and run the football approximately 44 percent of the time is that balance to you a near 12 percent jump from throwing the football or passing the football to running the football that's not what happened that's not what he promised that's not what he said When he got rid of Kellen Moore and he took over play calling duties himself, just like he had lied affectionately and frivolously, I might add, to get the Cowboys job to begin with, he also lied about getting control of the offense. He had no intentions of having Dak Prescott and the Cowboys run the football as much as they throw it. This is a passing team. You got CeeDee Lamb, you got Cooks, you got this kid Ferguson at the tight end spot. He's no joke. You got other pieces in play there. And Tony Pollard could still run the football. The Dallas Cowboys are no joke. Their defense is legit. Micah Parsons is that dude. He's the modern-day Lawrence Taylor. Okay? And this kid, Deron Bland, is special. And just imagine if they had Trayvon Diggs and he did not get hurt. Could you imagine how much more lead-through that defense would be? The Dallas Cowboys may very well win the Super Bowl within the next two years, but it ain't going to be this year. (laughs) It ain't going to be this year. You cancel that because in order to do it, you got to beat San Francisco, and that ain't going to happen. Just wanted to let y'all know that. Look at the remaining schedule right here. You got the Eagles going against Seattle. Then they play the Giants, Arizona. Then the Giants, again, as far as I'm concerned, the Eagles should win their last four games. If the Eagles do that, even though the Cowboys are in first place right now, Okay, because they got a better divisional record. The reality is, is that if they both win their final four games, the division crown still goes to the Philadelphia Eagles because the Philadelphia Eagles would have a better division and a better conference record. And so if that's the reality, here's the deal. The Philadelphia Eagles will have lucked up because you need home field advantage more so than even the Cowboys right now. Even though I think the Cowboys need it, too, because they're a different team at home than they are on the road, the Dallas Cowboys they can travel and wreak havoc. I don't like what I'm seeing from the Philadelphia Eagles. Not at all. But it's nothing compared to what I did not like about what I saw following yesterday's game between the Kansas City Chiefs, who actually lost to the Buffalo Bills in a crucial AFC matchup. Bringing both of their records, I'm sorry, bringing Kansas City's record, I'm sorry, for the season to 8-5. and five. A game-winning touchdown was called back after wide receiver Kadarius Toney was called offsides on a pass play. Patrick Mahomes was all livid over the call claiming Tony should have been given a warning by the official. That call is not the reason the Chiefs stand at eight and five. The reality is another wide receiver mistake cost him a win along with the numerous penalties by the offensive line. In case y'all have missed it, here's Patrick Mahomes. It's I mean, obviously tough to swallow. Um... I mean, not not only for for me, but just for football in general. I mean, just to take away greatness like that. I mean, for a guy like Travis to make a play like that, and who knows if we win? So, as I know, as fans, you want to see the guys on the field decide the game. That's why last week I didn't say anything about the flag. They didn't get called on the Marquez, and so I mean, I, it, I mean they're human men. They make mistakes, but I mean, I'm, it's every week we're talking about something and. All I can do is go out there and give everything I have, and I'm proud of the guys because that's what we did, and it was a great football game that ended another great football game that just ended like that. It's just tough tough to swallow. Patrick Mahomes may be the greatest quarterback this game has ever seen. I've got Aaron Rodgers up there along with a couple of others, but Patrick Mahomes may very well be the best we have ever seen. And outside of Bill Belichick, you'd be hard-pressed to find a better coach with better credentials than Andy Reid. They both embarrassed themselves Sunday afternoon. They embarrass themselves. There's no way around it. You cannot have receivers who have accumulated 33 drops on the season, who have run wrong routes. They've ran wrong routes in the past. They did some again yesterday. They dropped passes yesterday yet again. They've turned over the football, and they're going to turn around and say, you know what, maybe we would have won, maybe not. But for that call to be made, what the hell are you lining offsides for if you're a wide receiver? The receiver on the opposite side for Kansas City, he was aligned correctly. Kadarius Toney, who, by the way, caught the lateral from Travis Kelsey and ran it into the end zone, you were flagrantly offsides. You couldn't damn near see the football because he was blocking it because he was so far above. How do you not know better? This is the National Football League. No wonder you're a former number one, uh, a former first round pick, and the Giants gave you away for a bag of cookies, aka a third round pick. No wonder. How the hell do you make a mistake like that? Now, I'm quite sure he can make up for it because he's got the capabilities to do so. But the reality is, is that it was a boneheaded play on his part. You have to know alignment. It comes with the game of football. And for those who try to sit up there and parallel it to, oh, it's the equivalent. What if this happened to basketball? Well, it ain't basketball. It's football. We see these rules stringently called all the time. I've seen plenty of people get called for offsides. I've seen plenty of people. When is there a game where we don't see people getting called for false starts? When do we not see that? you can't even we've seen movement on the line of scrimmage that's held against you too it's the game of football it's applicable with the rules that come with the national football league you know this and you made that mistake anyway and your excuse is we're not saying he didn't commit the call he didn't commit the penalty we're saying how could you call it in that moment that's not how it works i wish it was because i don't want officials determining the game either But you can't do that. If you had a legitimate argument, if you're Patrick Mahomes, you know what you could have done as a legitimate argument and nobody could have refuted what you were saying? The referee should have blew the whistle the minute the play started, as opposed to watching the play unfold, watching him run into the end zone and then throwing the flag. Clearly the flags was a bit too late, no doubt about it. The second, the second They bursted out of the line of scrimmage and the play started. You could have blown the whistle and said false start. You didn't have to let the play unfold. Then we wouldn't be talking about some touchdown that wasn't. But that's not what happened. And that's the way it goes. In the end, Kansas City's, your Chiefs wide receivers suck. Period. I'm not talking about their talent. I'm talking about the Litany of mistakes you make. Marquez Valdez Scantlin is not a scrub. I don't think Kadarius Tony is a scrub. I don't think anybody that they have. Don't get me started with my brother Travis Kelsey from another mother. And how elite they might be—the best tight end in history. We're not talking about that. I'm talking about the boneheaded plays and the dropped passes that have taken place with the Kansas City Chiefs. What's the matter, y'all can't handle the pressure? When Tyreek Hill left for Miami and y'all were playing last year, y'all were playing with House Money because nobody expected y'all to be Tyreek Hill. And as a result, y'all went there and y'all won the Super Bowl without him. Personnel-wise, the only person you're missing now is Juju Smith-Schuster. Everybody else is still there. What's the problem? It's pressure. Pressure breaks pipes, I guess. I would know. My first bitch wasn't the most flattering thing I've ever done. The pressure got to me. But I'm not a professional player. Y'all are. I'm just saying. Transitioning to NBA action. In-season tournament NBA action. The Los Angeles Lakers made your pops. and so congratulations to LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and the rest of the crew for uh, on Saturday because the Los Angeles Lakers won the NBA's inaugural in-season tournament, beating the Pacers 123-109. They were fueled by Anthony Davis, to be quite honest with you. 41 points, 20 rebounds, 5 assists, 4 blocks. And of course, Series MVP LeBron James, who added 24 points, 11 rebounds, and 4 assists. The Lakers now have a record of 14-9, and same as the NBA champion Denver Nuggets, who are 5th in the Western Conference. The in-season tournament was a success. LeBron James has a lot to do with that. Certainly the Indiana Pacers have a lot to do with that exciting victories over Boston and Milwaukee leading into the championship game. Certainly the Sacramento Kings and the Golden State Warriors and how that in-season tournament game from a couple of weeks back when Sacramento beat them 124 to 123 had a lot to do with that. We've seen a lot of good action going on in the NBA pertaining to that in-season tournament. But LeBron James clearly stole the show. Because he is a superstar, and as Coach Rick Carlisle of the Indiana Pacers said, if there's a Mount Rushmore of basketball, he is on it. There is no doubt about it. But for him to show up and to be as focused as he was, I was there in attendance. I was standing courtside when he was warming up, and he had seven straight three-pointers and 15 or 16 three-point shots warming up. I was standing right there. The brother came ready. He came ready. And he came ready, and he showed up, and he showed out. And he brought a level of focus and fervor and determination to it, reminding us why he's a marquee. Because ladies and gentlemen, there's a difference between a star and a superstar. See, when you're a star, you got the talent. But superstar status is two things. A is consistency. And B, is acknowledgement of the fact that you are the marquee. And instead of shying away from it, you embrace it. That's a superstar. That's the kind of person you walk through the turnstiles to see. And that is what LeBron James provided in this in-season in this tournament. Now juxtapose that to Zion Williamson, who looked fat, out of shape, unfocused, lethargic, and blasé. You're about 15 years or more younger than LeBron James. He's in his 21st season. Zion Williamson has missed 63% of his games. And he hasn't even completed his fifth year in the NBA yet. That's how pathetic it's been. And this kid is a superstar potential kind of talent. His affliction is food. He can't stop eating. How would I know this? Could it be because chefs in New Orleans love him? That's what I've heard. That could be one reason. Could it be that New Orleans is one of the best cities in America, if not the best city in America, when it comes to restaurants and food? Sure. But the ultimate evidence was his belly. I watched this man walk to the free throw line, and I saw his belly bounce. Now, maybe there's something wrong with my eyes. But there's no excuse for an NBA player, professional athlete, on a basketball team, to be having his stomach bouncing. There's no excuse for that. Something's gotta give. And I hope it's Zion giving more in effort and less chewing. Somebody needs to say it. So damn it, I'm gonna say it. Last thing to get to is dual threat star, Shohei Otani, former member of the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim recently signed the richest contract in sports history, joining the Los Angeles Dodgers for $700 million. The contract terms are staggering, y'all. 10 years, 700 million, which eclipses a soccer star, Lionel Messi's $673 million contract with FC Barcelona and Ronaldo's Al Nassar contract, which is at $536 million. Now, let me say this. Messi's contract is for four years. And he's getting paid 168.5 million per year. Ronaldo's is for two and a half years. He's getting paid 214.5 million per year. Patrick Mahomes is at 45. Shohei Ohtani is at 700. One of the other curious things that enters my mind, we talk about America being a capitalistic society, right? We talk about it being the land of the free, the home for the brave, which is true, but we really talk about its capitalism as what helps America thrive. Well, then why are people elsewhere getting paid more money than the top athletes here? Somebody needs to educate me about that. I'm wondering why, because you don't see nobody else signing contracts like that. Now, we see the biggest contracts in Major League Baseball, all right, in Major League Baseball history right there. I mean, we got Ohtani. We got Mike Trout now um, at, se- at $426.5 million. We got Mookie Betts. You see that. He's at $365 million over 12 years. We got Aaron Judge at $360 million over nine years. We got Manny Machado at three fifty million over 11 years. Francisco Lindor. Fernando Tatis Jr., Bryce Harper, Giancarlo Stanton. Oh my God, don't get me started on Giancarlo Stanton. And of course, Corby Seager, or Seager for the Texas Rangers. Um, it is what it is. Major props to Jerry Atani, because here's the reality. It's not 17 games in football. It's not even 82 games like hockey or basketball. This is 162 games where Atani is not going to be, is now going to be a DH. So chances are he'll play anywhere from 140 to 150 games a year. When you take that into consideration, do I think he's worth the money based on play? Not, all, not if he's just a hitter. I think the combination of him being an elite pitcher along with somebody that can hit, I think he's worth that money. Here's why he's worth the money no matter what, however. Because he's box office. The Asian contingent will follow him wherever he goes. They will fill ballparks. They will fill stadiums, they will fill arenas, they will do whatever it takes to follow that man. And they will spend money to do it. Shohei Ohtani will pay for himself. That is why you look at him and you say, $700 million, 700 million dollars, 700 million dollars. He's worth it. Yes, he is. And to be in a Dodger uniform, arguably the most storied franchise, second to the Yankees in my opinion, in baseball annals? In the Los Angeles market? Yeah. He deserves the money. He deserves the money. 888 SAS 5303 is the number to call it. It's 888 727 5303. More to Stephen A. Smith's show coming up in a minute, but not before I talk to my girl, one of my good friends, the wonderful, the lovely La La Anthony. She's up next talking about a cause very, very near and dear to her heart. She wanted to talk, I'm always here to listen. I hope you'll do the same, don't touch that dial. More of the Stephen A. Smith Show coming up on YouTube in a minute. Welcome back to the Stephen A. Smith Show. My next guest, She's really not a guest. She's a wonderful friend of mine. She's a talented actress and a New York Times best-selling author and a star of the hit stars drama series, Black Mafia Family. She's stopping by to talk about a cause that is near and dear to her heart. Please welcome the incomparable, the wonderful, the beautiful, the lovely La La Anthony. Mrs. La La Anthony, how are you, girl? How's everything?
1: Everything is great. I need you to introduce me every time I do something. I want that same introduction right.
0: every time. I That's do right. Something. You deserve it. You've earned it. You've warranted it. No doubt about that. Thank for, you. For, for, Thank for, you. First things first, how are you doing? How's the holiday season treating you? How's life? Still
1: working really hard I, in my mind. I thought, right around the holidays, I would slow down a little bit, but you know how it goes. We never stop working. So working hard, managing my schedule, Cayenne's schedule, but always blessed, always grateful to be able to do the amazing things we're able to do, and just happy that it's going to be Christmas, get some family time, and have some fun.
0: You've got a foundation, and that's really why you're here at this particular day to talk about this, because I know you know I'm going to bring you a studio. You know we're going to have one of them lengthy conversations about life, stage, since you don't, to, you don't hesitate to school me on life. We're going to do that <laughs> one of these days, okay? But you You've got La La Land's Foundation 360 program. I want you to talk about that and just enlighten us all about what that's about and why it's so important to you to talk about that, particularly this time of year.
1: Definitely with the holidays coming up, you know, it's definitely all about giving back. And we shouldn't wait for the holidays to give back. Giving back is something that's near and dear to my heart. So I started a initiative out of Rikers Island called 360. It's for young men ages 18 to 21. We're going to expand soon to young women as well. And it's mentorship, life-building skills, you know, just filling a room up with love and and positive energy and really giving these young men a second chance to be amazing citizens in their community. You know, a lot of times people don't want to give people a second chance. And I'm working with these young men so that when they come out, they become assets in our community and leaders in our community. And it's a initiative I'm incredibly, incredibly proud of. We've seen some amazing success out of Rikers Island and just excited to continue doing the work.
0: I have no aversion to it whatsoever. I fully support you in that mission and congrats and props to you for doing it. But you know there's a lot of folks out there, critics out there, anybody that would look at it and say, okay, those are people who were incarcerated. There's so many people out here who need some help. Why them? How do you answer that question?
1: So I answer it by saying I primarily work with 18 to 21 because when I look at these young men, I do see Cayenne and any young person out there is one bad decision, wrong place at the wrong time, wrong friend group from being, you know, incarcerated for something, you know. And I want to be sympathetic to that. I want to be a role model to those kids. I want to show them that there is a better way. And I'm just really proud of the work we're doing. I do this for Cayenne. You know, any of our children are one bad decision away from being right there with the rest of these kids. And I want to prevent that and be an advocate for giving these young men second chances out there in our community.
0: What originally sparked this? And how old and how old is this program? Explain that. What originally sparked this?
1: So I was originally invited to Rikers Island by um, the mayor of New York to see a program called Fatherless No More that was headed by Pastor Tim Johnson. And I was just so blown away by the incredible work that he did. And, you know, just very grateful that he's opened the doors and allowed me to do my work there as well. So just going in there, seeing the work that was being done and saying, you know what, I wanna continue doing the same stuff and put the la-la twist on it. And that's how 360 was born. And again, the work just came out of a place of wanting to help and seeing so many of our young black and brown men lost out here, you know, in these communities and just wanting to be a positive light for them.
0: I'm looking at you and I'm looking at your resume right here. Again, New York Times best-selling author. Author, fashion, and cosmetics mogul. Created your own hair care line, by the way. Anala, if I remember correctly. Yes. You know, I, I'm just looking at a whole bunch of things. Collaborated with Pretty Little Thing to create a summer line that highlights size, <laughs> inclusivity. I'm looking at all the... Did I miss anything? I mean, did I get anything wrong yet? I got here additional TV credits include the a series, unforgettable <laughs> CBS crime drama, NYC 2022, popular VH1 scripted show, single ladies. I mean, you're doing it all. And I'm, I'm just saying to myself, watching you, and knowing you the way that I do, because we've been friends for years, obviously we go way back. I'm thinking about one of your best friends in the world, Kim Kardashian, and some of the things that she's doing um, along the lines of politics and communicating with politicians to provoke change. I'm wondering, do you do that? And if you haven't, is that a next step for you? Because I know how brilliant you are because you educate Thank me you. all the time. So I, I, get I get scared when you disagree with me because I'm like, you gonna have a <laughs> good point. You're going to get me.
1: Thank you. But you know what's great is having a best friend who understands that space because we can really lean on each other. You know, when I have questions about certain policies and certain laws and how do you change, you know, these policies and these laws, I'm able to call her. You know, I got on speed dial and say, hey, what do I do in this situation? How do I handle this? Or I'm talking to this person's lawyer. What what happens here? So it's great that we're able to lean on each other that way in that space. But for now, I'm in the trenches. I'm going in Rikers Island. I, I, I'm, I'm in it. And then I get to lean on her to really guide me when it comes to the legal stuff and how to navigate that space as well.
0: Now, you know I have to be careful, but I have to ask this question, Lala, because, I mean, the, see, I'm looking at it like this. First of all, when somebody like you walks any place, people are going to open their eyes and they're going to watch and they're going to listen. If, 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 if I'm fellas and it, that's incarcerated and I'm about to get out, I'm going to be free. I want all the help that I could get. But damn, if Lala rolls up in there, I'm definitely going to want to listen to her with her beautiful self. I'm just wondering, do you have any idea that, that, that it, 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 it's kind of difficult for folks to stay focused and be concentrated when they're talking to you, la la. I mean, <laughs> have you thought about that at all?
1: I think maybe for the first five minutes, but when I come in there, I demand respect, and respect is what I'm given, and I just appreciate, you know, the respect that I'm given. I don't play any games. Like, when you carry yourself in a certain way, People know they can't play with you. I come in that room and I demand respect, and that's exactly what I get in return.
0: I re- I, I am an eyewitness to that. I've known you for years, <laughs> yes. and, and when you roll up on me, it's like, Lord, what have I done? Now, let me make sure, <laughs> maybe make sure she's okay. But let me get back to you real quick, because you're. I know what you're hoping to accomplish with this and basically preparing young men for the real world that awaits them. How concerned are you in this day and age, considering the divisiveness how evil our society can be at times, the advent of social media, how so many voices are out there, but most importantly, how many people are affected by those very voices. How much does that play a role in terms of your tutelage and your preparation for these young men in order to get them set for what's out here waiting for them? What about that? How much does that play a role in the counsel that you provide?
1: It plays a huge role and something I'm incredibly worried about and and try to step in and show them, you know, a different way in the age of social media. Like you mentioned, so many of us want to look the part or do certain things to be to seem cool on social media or to seem cool to our friends. A lot of the young men in my program are there because they were, quote unquote, showing off for social media or or did something on social media because their pride was hurt and really just understanding the effect this has, especially on our young population out there and really getting them to understand that there's more to life than social media there's more to life than looking a certain way so it is a big concern of mine and something that i address and talk to and i deal with it on a different level you know you get we all get criticized because we're public figures people right. are talking stuff about us on social media it could affect our self-esteem it lying all the
0: time lying every second they, they do a whole bunch of that
1: Exactly. That too. Exactly. And it might change, you know, how we view ourselves. So I'm a very confident person and I try to bring that confidence in this in this room as well. And I just want to add one more piece. Also this week, we're doing a huge uh, winter wonderland for 400 inner city kids out in the Bronx where we give Christmas to them. So, you know, my my work. Yes. Is primarily the 360 program out of Rikers Island. But my work is for anyone who needs it, for anyone who's out there that needs a positive light in their life, that needs someone to believe in them. I'm your person. Like, I want to believe in you and give you that hope that I had growing up as as a young person as well. So I just want to open it up to anybody that's out there that feels like they just need some guidance, some mentorship. I'm here for that.
0: How receptive. Have the women in your life, or how supportive should I say, have the women in your life been towards helping you achieve this goal?
1: Incredibly, you know, supportive, especially my mom. I mean, growing up, she just taught us like, you know, you should never judge anyone. You don't know what a person has been through. You know, don't don't judge people, give people a second chance. People make mistakes, have grace, have mercy. So those are the same things I tell myself as I'm doing this work, whether it's inside of Rikers Island or outside of Rikers Island. You know, a lot of us have been through a lot of things that have shaped some of our decisions, shaped the people that we are, and you gotta have grace and and, and compassion for a lot of people out there, for sure.
0: Your voice is obviously something that, is a voice that resonates, and you have a lot of things to say, a lot of positive, a lot of productive, a lot of substantive things to say. One would argue that acting as much as you love it and as much as you, as as well as you do it, The voice that you could have, I watch you host, guest host The Breakfast Club, for example. I know what you could do in a chair like that and stuff like that. Ever contemplate because of the kind of voice that you could have? (laughs) Ever contemplate doing those things on a full-time basis?
1: I'm laughing because I feel like you and my mom had a conversation before this interview. You 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 sound exactly (laughs) like my mom. Listen, there are things that you're passionate about. Acting is my passion. Acting mm-hmm. is what I love. Your passion is something that you would do if you weren't getting paid for it. Something that you love that much. That's how I feel about acting. So, I'm always going to chase my passion and it's great that you know I have this space as well if I ever decide this is what I want to do. It's awesome to have that kind of ace in my back pocket. But for now, acting is my passion and that's really what I what I'm chasing and continuing to grow and get better at and I love BMF we're coming back in mm-hmm. March for a brand new season. It's going going to be on and oh. popping so
0: Just excited for that. Oh, don't you worry about that. I I was going to bring up BMF. Don't I got a question about that. But before I let you get on out of here and before I ask you about that, I mean, the passion for acting, why is that? Because I got to tell you, I got to tell you, I don't know if you noticed, I got a recurring role in General Hospital. I don't know if you knew that. I got a a recurring role in General (laughs) Hospital. I've never thought about acting in my damn life, Lala. But I got to tell you something. I'm fascinated by the fact that I could be whatever the role allows me to be. I actually plan on taking acting lessons. What is it that you love? about acting so much?
1: The passion stems from, again, creating a character, becoming and immersing myself in this character, becoming someone else. But the passion also comes from being told so many times that I couldn't do it. Mm. I was told so many times that you're a TV host, you're an MTV host, you can't transition to acting, there's no such thing, just be happy with what you're doing. And I'm like, you know what, I love this and I'm gonna prove people wrong and I can really do this. So the passion also stems from a place where I'm in constant competition with myself that Mm. I can do this and I can become really great at it and that's what I'm working towards.
0: Wow. BMF, Black Mafia family. Uh, I was going to ask you, what can we expect? But I'm, I can only imagine what, can it's we, a roller coaster what, ride. what we can expect from Marquisha Taylor on that show. It's a it's a roller coaster ride. My only, I, I love the show. I love to act and stuff like that. Sometimes I find myself wishing it was someplace other than Detroit, based out of something <laughs> other than Detroit. But I understand it. That's why, I mean, damn it, that's the real, it's the true elements to it. But that's the real
1: story. It. And you know what was so incredible? We went to Detroit for a lot of it to shoot. And we actually shot in the house that, Meach and Terry grew up in wow. that their mom still lives in. So to be in the house, like in that environment, and just feel all of that energy around you, it was just a crazy experience. But Detroit has shown us so much love. So shout out to Detroit. And you know, like you said, the story takes place in Detroit, Atlanta, but now as the seasons go on, you'll see it start expanding into a bunch mm-hmm. of different places.
0: Television or film, what's your preference?
1: For me, I love television. Because? Consistency, I love the consistency of television. I like to know that for the next five or six months, I have this job locked in. I'm going to work on a day-to-day basis. I like the consistency. And then if I could throw a movie or two in, in between all of that, then I feel like that's that's a good slate for me. I'm happy with that.
0: You, you, you know, I'm looking at it and I gotta admit, I, I, it, few things don't make me mad on television. But I was mad when Keisha got killed on, on Power. It really bothered me. That really bothered. Me. I'm like, keep around for crying out loud. But then I understood that, you know what? There was gonna be other stuff. But I, I was just saying to myself, damn it! I, la- that- I mean, I just, I was, I was mad as all get out. I missed that whole cast. You know, Amari and Joseph and all yeah. of those of my boys and the whole bit. And Fifty Cent is just that dude. What is it like? What has somebody like Fifty Cent done for your career, considering what you've been able to accomplish?
1: 50 Cent has changed my career. 50 Cent is one of my closest friends. And just him believing in me and instilling that confidence in me, for me to be confident to do what I do, I'm forever grateful for him to give me that shot on power. And yes, I auditioned and I worked hard for it. But for him to say, no, Lazar, pick, let's go with her and give me that confidence. And then now to transition to BMF, and him and I have a bunch of projects that we're working on together. It's incredible when you can work with a friend, a mentor, and just, you know, learn from... He's so smart in this space. To be able to learn from him, it's like a master class every single day.
0: I don't think anybody realized how brilliant 50 Cent is. I mean, he's brilliant. I did an interview with him years ago. He's he's just a brilliant brother. Before I let you get on out of here, my last question, uh, Mr. Carmelo Anthony, that's my brother. You know how much I love him. You and he, (laughs) you got a son, Kaya, and you brought him up. Six for Junior, out of Long Island Lutheran High School, uh, a top 50 prospect in a 2025 recruiting class. Uh, I'm looking at these things right now. I'm not going to talk about him much because he's a kid. You understand, he's a kid, right? But I I I want to know from Mama's perspective, um, what 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 do we need to expect from Kayan in the next couple of years or so?
1: You know, you can expect whatever it is that Kyan wants to do. Melo and I both don't put any pressure on him. We let him know that we will support him throughout this journey. We are his number one fans, but it's what he wants to do. He has to pave his own way, and whatever decisions he makes, we're going to support him. We'll always be courtside at every game, cheering him on, but we're letting him navigate through this space and figure out exactly what he wants to do, and we're just kind of guiding him along the way. So whatever God's plans are for Kyan, that's what it's going to be.
0: That is a beautiful answer. Obviously, from his mama, I get that. But you know a thing or two about some basketball, damn it. I I mean, Carmelo Anthony, one of the greatest scorers in the history of the game. I'm asking about Kyan's game from mama's perspective, from mama's perspective.
1: His shot is very similar to his dad's. His okay. dad taught him since I can't even remember how old. So that shot has 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 mellow written all over okay. it and it's very exciting to see and watch. Um he's tough like his dad and I think uh he's going to be an incredible asset to Blue High and any college team he ultimately decides to go to.
0: I got you. All the best to you. I'm so proud of you. You too. I can't wait to come
1: hang out with you. I gotta
0: come in the you. Hey, listen, we we gonna have one of those conversations. I'll be seeing you have with everybody else, but they don't (laughs) quite interview the way that I interview. We gonna have that conversation. You understand? We gonna have that conversation on the couch. It's gonna happen. It's gonna happen, girl. All the best to you. Same and happy
1: holidays. I'll see you soon. Happy
0: holidays. I'll see you real soon. Thank you so much. Okay. Bye bye. Bye -bye. The lovely Lala Anthony, right here with yours truly, Stephen A. Smith. That was a treat. A treat. Make no mistake about that. Back with more of The Stephen A. Smith Show in a minute. Welcome back to The Stephen A. Smith Show. Let me transition to the world of pop culture before I take your calls and messages and get on out of here for the day. Let's just say, as the year 2023 comes to a close, the year has belonged to one individual above all else. Who's that person? How about Taylor Swift? Now, let me tell y'all something right now. This woman right here has dominated the entire year. She's the woman of the year, the artist of the year. Now, I'm a Beyonce fan all day, every day. Nobody on this planet comes before Beyonce in my eyes. But I got to tell you something. I'm not one who will ever be accused of listening to Taylor Swift music. You ain't going to hear me out there singing her songs or anything like that. But when I took my daughters to that concert and I watched that girl throw down, I said, damn, she turned it out. It was off the chain. I can't deny it. And then it got me to thinking about her history and all that she's been through throughout her wonderful years of being a successful artist. I remember the VMAs in 2009 when Kanye West sat up there and interrupted her speech and all of that stuff, talking about everybody knows who really, really deserved this. It was Beyonce. I mean, damn, even Beyonce was appalled. Jay-Z was appalled. Remember when then President Barack Obama literally called him an asshole? And we've never heard that from a president before, but we heard it that day because class was simply non-existent when it came to Kanye West. Well, guess what? Ironically... Pun intended of course, class is the appropriate word to bring up in this day and age about one and only Taylor Swift. Why? Because there's about 10 universities, there's about 10 courses that are in existence right now with a curriculum, a class that involves Taylor Swift, her name, including one at Harvard and 300 people are registered for the class. That seems kind of wild, doesn't it? It seems kind of like off the charts, doesn't it? Well, let me throw this at you. Did you know that Taylor Swift, according to the city of Glendale, Arizona, where the Super Bowl was last year, last February, do you know that that city said Taylor Swift's Eras concert generated more revenue for the city than the Super Bowl? It's true. That stops, that's the mic drop right there. Taylor Swift is that person. Now I'm quite sure my man Travis Kelsey really, really likes her, enjoys being with her. I'm certainly not implying anything otherwise. Here's all I'm saying. No matter what way you slice it, him being involved with her involves zero losses, zero, he wins no matter what. Facts, whether you like it or not. Let me move on to the next subject because it's important to bring this up. It involves P Diddy and 50 Cent. Now 50 Cent's been trolling them because as those of you know, P. Diddy's got some issues, some legal issues, stepped down as a guy running Revolt TV because he's been accused of sexual misconduct and stuff like that. Um, I'm not gonna go any further into detail. I don't know what's happened. I know what the accusations entail. I wish him nothing but the best. I hope he's innocent of all of this. If he's not, it's a different story for somebody else to handle. I hope he's innocent. But the reason I'm bringing this up is because 50 Cent has been mercilessly getting after them, trolling them, teasing them, offering to buy Revolt TV, et cetera, et cetera, for a decent price, for a low price, of course. He said the sponsors are about to lose you. All I'm gonna tell you is this. I see cats like Rick Ross getting into it with 50. I've seen Ja Rule in the past try to get into it with 50, or at least 50 got into it with him. Now it's a P. Diddy thing going on here. That's just the way it is. 50 Cent ain't the one to mess with. Now, just make sure to revisit the situation. Sean P. Diddy Combs, he's had a tumultuous month, y'all. As multiple reports have surfaced, accusing a rapper of sexual assault. It's just the truth. Okay, we don't know whether it's true or not. Those are the accusations. One person who's not feeling sympathy for him, like I told you, is 50. He seems to be taking pleasure from D- Diddy's recent misfortune. That's just the way it's been because they've been feuding for years. And the G-Unit rappers used the latest news about his rival to take multiple shots. All I wanted to say was this. 50 Cent ain't the one to mess with. When this brother commences to trolling you, it has a profound effect in most instances. It's just the truth. It's just the truth. That's not a bad side most people should want to get on. That's all I wanted to say about that. Other than that, I hope these reports... And these allegations against P. Diddy are not true, but he has settled one case and now other cases will probably come down the pike. Let me move on. Jada Pinkett Smith. Now I thought I was over this damn subject. (sighs) I really did. Jada Pinkett Smith, leave it to her because she's back in the headlines after she recently came out and made another comment regarding her relationship with Will Smith in an interview with Daily Mail's U Magazine, Jada said that Will's decision, brace yourself for this, y'all. She said that Will's decision to slap the living shit out of Chris Rock during the 2022 Academy Awards has earned a new title to her called The Holy Slap. The Holy Slap. Brandon, I'm not making this up. The Holy Slap. Nelly, I'm not making this up. Okay, it seems that Will Smith played a surprising role in saving their marriage as she goes on to say this, quote, that moment of shit hitting the fan is when you see who people really are. After years of trying to figure out if I will leave Will's side, it took that slap for me to see I will never leave him. So your husband, a superstar with a pristine image, gets up on global television, slaps the living shit out of one of the great comedians we've ever seen while the cameras are rolling for hundreds of millions of people to witness into perpetuity for years and years to come. Turns around, walks back after slapping that comedian, who's about 60 pounds lighter than him, by the way, goes back to his chair, says, keeps my wife name out your fucking mouth, screaming that towards the stage while the cameras are rolling with everybody in the world to hear. And that's what it took for you to say, I'll never leave him. I see. So what he had to do, Jada Pinkett Smith, was assault a man, expose himself to potential legal action, potentially get arrested that night, jeopardize him actually being able to accept the Oscar because you know Chris Rock could have had him arrested on the spot. You know that the police were backstage and they could have arrested Will Smith on the spot and prevented him from accepting the Oscar. You do know that. So it took him doing that, putting himself in that position, a black man slapping another black man on a national stage, a black man sitting up there and sullying the Academy Awards, a black man sullying the opportunity for the first black man to ever direct the Oscars in Will Packer. That's what it took for you to say that's when I knew I would never leave him. Really? Really? Ladies everywhere, black, white, Latina everywhere. What do y'all think about that? Is that what it takes for a man to prove his love to you? I'm just asking, to embarrass himself and somebody else, to humiliate himself by assaulting somebody else. To sit up there and say what I haven't heard enough people say, but I'm gonna say it anyway. It took black people back years. Look how they act. They, we know some people were saying that. You know that, right? You know that, right? That's what it took for you With all the love and the devotion and the dedication because y'all been married for decades. That's what it took for you to say you'll never leave. Didn't you write a book afterwards? In the book, did you tell your business yet again? Didn't those details serve to further emasculate and embarrass that husband that you love so much? That's what you're talking about? That's what you're talking about? You know one thing you learn listening to this about love? You realize when you listen to Jada Pinkett Smith that love clearly has more than one definition because clearly her definition of love is hella far different from most of us. Love I'm having a hard time imagining how somebody could like someone that reaches that conclusion. And oh, by the way, just as an aside, please understand that there's no time constraints on Chris Rock's ability to sue you, meaning Will Smith, for what he did to Chris Rock. He could still turn around and deduce there's tremendous damage that was done to me when he slapped the living shit out of me on global television. He could still do that, you know? Would Will prove his love even more than if it ended up costing them $50 million? Do you know that Antoine Fuqua and Will Smith, in my opinion, should have won an Oscar for emancipation, because that's how phenomenal Will Smith was in it. We barely heard about it because of that slap. Because after he was banned from the Academy Awards for 10 years, which he didn't care to go to anyway, from what I heard, you have a lot of people who will never look at Will Smith the same. But you love him now. You'll never leave him now. So I guess that's all that matters, huh, Jada. I guess that's all that matters. Damn. Let's go to some of these tweets before I get on out of here with the calls. 888-SAS-5303. That's 888-727-5303. That's the number to call up. These are your tweets that you've sent. So I'm going to read some of them. I'm going to work with you before I get on out of here for the day. At ADHD writes, did you like the in-season tournament? Man, don't waste my time with some damn question like this. You know you see me on first take. You know you see me on Sports Center. You know you see me on NBA Countdown, and you damn sure see me on this show. I've been said that I like the in-season tournament. Don't ask me to repeat myself again. You are gonna sit up there and take time to write a damn question? You could have came up with something better than that. Get it together. Next question, please. At Big Kai K E I twenty nineteen writes: Is Chris Bosh better than Anthony Davis? No. Who was LeBron's best big man? I would say that's Anthony Davis, okay? I would give you that. But what I would tell you is this, Anthony Davis is not his best teammate. LeBron James' best teammate was Dwayne Wade. Dwayne Wade was who helped teach LeBron James how to win. Dwayne Wade was that big brother. You remember when LeBron James went to Miami and he was a bit scared? to sit alone and take questions from the media where Dwayne Wade had to escort him at every press conference to make sure he didn't stand alone by himself to talk to the media because the shrapnel of criticism, having that pariah stigma on his shoulders was something he had difficulty handling. Dwayne Wade was who helped him overcome all of that. He wasn't the only one, but he was the main one. So because of that, I would tell you, no, Bosh is not better than Anthony Davis because Anthony Davis, particularly with his A game, is all-world, top seven player on the planet. But he's not LeBron James' best teammate. That would be Dwayne Wade. He's just not a big man. Anthony Davis would be LeBron's best big man. That much I will say. Next question, please. Let's go to that. At Darren S T T B writes, do the Sixers need another star to pair with Embiid or is Maxie the answer? The answer to the question is both. Maxie is the answer, but they also need an additional piece. Maybe a Zach Levine or somebody along those lines. Embiid with Maxie is not enough. Embiid is all world, he's special. Maxie is special as well but it's a lot to ask for somebody as young and as talented as Maxie is, it's still a lot to ask come playoff time in a best of seven series for it to be just about him and Embiid. I know Tobias Harris is on that squad. I know Covington and others are on that squad, but I'm talking about you need just one more additional piece at that off guard spot. We don't want anybody messing with Maxie at the point, but we want a big-time scorer at the two guard. I think it would be Zach Levine. If Zach Levine was to land with the Philadelphia 76ers, I think the Philadelphia 76ers' chances of coming out of the East would elevate exponentially. Next one. At Who's Breezy UK Right, Stephen A., this girl asked to hang out, but I said no because I want to go to the weekend concert in Fortnite. Was I wrong for this? I really want to go. (sighs) <sighs> you're not used to getting none, nah, are you? I mean, you want to pass up a night out on a date. Now, if you said you don't want to go with her, period, because you're not interested in her, I get that. But you're basically saying, I don't want to be with her right then because I really want to go to this virtual concert right here, this video game, whatever the hell it is, that's what you're talking about. So rather than press her buttons, you'd rather press some real remote control button or whatever that's gonna take you to some virtual concert or something. Really? Why didn't you ask her to join you? Do you like girls? It's a legitimate question. Because why wouldn't you ask her to go with you? Do you like her? It's a legitimate question too. But in the end, go, do what you wanna do. But I am concerned about you because you haven't entertained what you're potentially missing out on here. That's strange. I'll leave it at that. Let me go to the calls before I get on out of here for the day. Appreciate y'all hanging with me. I get some weird messages. I ain't gonna lie. I get some really, really, really weird messages, but it's time for me to take some calls. So let's get right to it. Let's get to Javal in Orlando. You're live with Stephen A. What's up, Javal? Talk to me. Oh man, I'm a huge fan. I've been a fan for years now, Stephen A. I listened to your audio book recently. It was very inspirational. Straight It was a great listen. Thank you. Um, the part that touched me most was when he talked about your brother, Basil, how he said you're going to be a star. And I showed the afterwards he passed. Well, I have also lost a brother, and he was very inspirational to me. So my question is, Stephen A, how do you use, back in that moment when it happened and currently now, how do you use your inspiration from grief and take that motivation to fuel you to be the brightest star that you can be? Well, I appreciate the question and I thank you for your comments. I think it's important, Javal, that you have to remember that when you lose someone that you love, uh, when they pass away, remember one of the reasons you love them so much is the kind of inspiration that they serve to provide to you. Their presence, their laugh, their level of communication, their presence, their company, all of these things play a role. And so the way to overcome some of those doldrums, some of those negative feelings, that depressive kind of thing that tends to bring you down is engaging in recall, remembering what they said to you. One of the things that my mom said to me that was a very, very powerful statement that helped me get through so much, no matter how painful her loss has been to me, was that my mother would look at me and she says, why are you crying? Why are you so upset? And I said, I'm gonna miss you. And she says, I understand that and I appreciate that. She said, but you do understand this is the way it was supposed to be. She said, because if you love me, you don't want it to be the other way around. You don't want me to be here having to mourn you. I've prepared you for me to move on. You know what to do when I'm gone, because you know I'll always be with you and I'll always be watching over you. That is what you have to hold on to when it comes to your loved ones. And the kind of inspiration that they provided to you. You have to remember that, Javal. You have to think about not just how you're feeling with them gone, you have to think about what they wanted for you while they were still alive. And you hold on to that and use that as a source of inspiration to push and march forward and to uplift yourself because that's exactly what they would expect, because that's exactly what they want from you and what they prepared you to be able to do. All right? That was, that was beautiful. I appreciate it, man. Thank you so much. God bless you. Happy holidays. Isaiah, you're live with Stephen A. Talk to me. What's going on? Isaiah in Atlanta. What's up, Stephen A? Up? Uh, with the recent success um, with the Lakers in the in-season tournament, you know, LeBron winning the tournament and winning tournament MVP, solidifying him as the GOAT, once his career hits an end, where do you see him?
1: Uh, or how do you see the NBA tributing him once his legendary like season? I have early. no idea. You
0: have like- I have no idea. I mean, I think I, there's no question that if LeBron announces this will be his last season, whenever that season occurs, city to city, arena to arena, he will be honored and he will deserve every second of it because what he has meant to the league, what he has done for the league, is comparable along the same lines of Kobe Bryant of Michael Jordan, of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, of Dr. J. Julius Irvin, and various others. When he marches city to city, all right, you're going to revere him and celebrate him the way that you should, because there are very few people in the history of sports who deserve it more than him. That's what I see. How that will transpire remains to be seen, but that's what I see. Appreciate the call, Isaiah. Thank you so much. Trey in Emerald, Texas. You're live with Stephen A. What's going on, man? How are you? Hey, Stephen A. I'm good. How about you, man? I'm great. Talk to me. Happy holidays. Yes, happy holidays to you too. Um it's about LeBron James. All right. So for me personally, he's the best player in the NBA today. Um at age, almost 39 years old. I mean, today, dominating you, said, like, you said today? Yes. Let me ask you this question, Trey. Is he better than Jokic? Yes. Okay. Some people would say otherwise. Jokic is a big man. He looks slower. He looks sloppy. But his numbers, his level of efficiency, his accuracy, the fact that he's a reigning defending champion and he swept LeBron James en route to winning that championship has a lot to do with what people feel. But go ahead. Okay, I get that. Um, But LeBron James was hurt last year. No, he Coming wasn't. No, no, that's not an excuse. Because we're not using that. We're not using that. He was there right, in the playoffs. Right. He was busting ass until he ran into Denver. Right. Right. And but but this year, you know, like Stephen played. I mean, this dude is dominating the NBA still. Still at age at age thirty eight. You know. Um, and here's the thing. You know, you're getting on, on my. You know, you're getting on my nerves. You're taking too long to get to your damn point. You're running out of time so because you're so not that, accurate. Your, Go ahead. What's your point, what's your point about, um, what's your thoughts about LeBron being the best player still in the game? He's he, Listen, right now I would put Jokic ahead of him. Um, i put LeBron right up there with Giannis, uh, no doubt about it, uh, the Jason Tatums of the world, the Joel Embiid's of the world, no question about it. i put LeBron right in that conversation. But I can't give him a nod over Jokic because of Jokic's efficiency and the credentials. He's the champion right now. He's the reigning defending champion that swept LeBron James and Anthony Davis to pull it off. I cannot give LeBron James an edge over him. And by the way, the Lakers are 14-9 right now. So is Denver. And I get all of that. Um, the Lakers played lights out with the in-season tournament. The other games, not so much. And LeBron is shooting like 60% from three-point range. We know that's not going to last. We know that's not going to last. And so we got to look at it right. from that perspective. But I get your point. Thanks a lot for the but call, man. He, uh, Jacob in Syracuse. Uh, Jacob in Syracuse. You're with Stephen A. Are you, Jacob, are you there? Yes, can you hear me, Stephen Go a. ahead, Jacob. How are you? Good. How are you, Stephen? I'm all right. What's going on? All right. So I got another LeBron question for you. Yeah. How do you think him winning the in-season tournament affects his legacy all time? I don't think it has much of an effect. I think when you're the first at anything... Uh, you can't ignore it. And you have to give him his props for pulling it off in his 21st season, approaching the age of 39. That is true. But it's an in-season regular tournament um, that took place. They played about five games before the championship game. He beat an Indiana squad that had no answer for Anthony Davis. We respect him. And it's a reminder It's a reminder of his leadership, uh, the fact that he is the man in the NBA that carries the baton. We respect him. We revere him for that. But in the grand scheme of things, we all know what we're looking for. What you going to do come playoff time and the finals? And it was really not about him. Um, It's really about Anthony Davis. Are you going to put up 40 and 20 in multiple games in the NBA playoffs? Or are you going to score 41 game in 11 the next like you did against Jokic in the conference finals? Those are the questions that we're asking more so than anything else. But it's certainly not a blemish. It's something that's an additive to LeBron James' legacy and resume. But it's not the biggest thing in the world. Right. Do you think he stole the in-season tournament MVP from AD? No, AD got the MVP for the game. LeBron got it for the tournament because LeBron deserved it for the tournament and AD deserved it for the game. I got no problems with that. That's right. Take it easy. All right, thank you. No problem. I appreciate everybody calling in. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Stephen A. Smith Show. I'll be back with you later on this week. I got to hit the road. I got to travel a multitude of cities between now and Friday. But I'll be back with you. You'll be hearing from me. So stick around. It's the Stephen A. Smith Show live over the digital airwaves of YouTube. Until next time, everybody. Peace and love.